I want to read some verses from the New Testament letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're reading from the beginning of this letter. I was at home a couple of months ago, knock came to the door, and there were a couple of ladies there. I had a fair idea what their business was, and so I asked them what they had to tell me. I asked them what their message was. They wanted to engage, but I just kept to my script. I, I just kept asking questions. I give them five minutes. And the message that they came with, I tested then against these words. They did not bring the gospel. I want to ask a very simple question, what is the gospel? And we find the answer to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and these opening verses. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen. As I've indicated even in our opening prayer, each of us, according to the Bible, must be saved. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you are with that concept that the Bible teaches us that without exception in this world, if we are going to be right with God, we need to be saved. And closely connected with that in these verses, verse number two, he talks about these people who are now saved. He, he closely connects to them this other word, sin. And it is because of sin in our lives that we need to be saved. So a very simple illustration has often been made, it's been made in the Bible, it's been made in many a gospel platform. It is simply this, that when we go to the doctor, the first question we're asked is, well, what's wrong with you? You usually go to a doctor because you have something wrong with you. You present with a problem. You maybe have a blinding headache. You maybe feel constantly sick. You maybe have palpitations. Your, your rhythm has gone off. Whatever it is, you have a problem. And it is the doctor's business to come to put the finger upon a diagnosis and say, now that's what you have. And then, of course, the question you've got to ask is, well, how do I get rid of it? How can I be healed? And so as we come to a meeting like this, God looks upon humanity. And through the message of the gospel, he passes diagnosis upon every case. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that there is no exception, there is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us are born sinners. Now, that is not how God made the world. God made the world good. And whenever he made humanity, he made Adam, he made Eve, and he said, very good. And they were created innocent of any sin. 
and without a sinful nature, but as soon as they rebelled against God and as soon as they morally fell, each and every one of us have been born with a sinful nature. And so you don't have to teach your dog to steal your beefsteak if it gets a chance. It's, it's just in the nature of the thing. And if you leave the food uncovered and the kitchen door open and you walk in and there the cat is up on the worktop eating your dinner, well, what else would you expect? It's in the very nature of the animal to do that thing. And it's in our nature to sin. It's in the very nature of children to disobey. I've reached the grand status of granda, and, and I love it. I just, I just, it's a new chapter of life, and to see the little ones growing up. But it's not long before these little ones that you hold, and they're so angelic looking. And of course, we had that experience with our own. But now to see it in a new generation all over again, all afresh, with all the experience of raising your own and now looking upon their children, and, and to see that moment whenever you can, you can detect for the first that little twisted nature, that defiance, trying to hide what they were doing with it. They knew that they shouldn't be doing. And it teaches us, if we need to be taught, the truth of the Bible, that there is no difference, all of sin. We sin because we're sinners. We are naturally broken, every one of us, more or less. And we sin naturally, more or less. But the problem with sin is this. Sin is a fatal condition. There are many conditions, uh, and you'll go and you'll be diagnosed with them and well, I suppose many of us here, I look down and you've got a condition that I have. You've got something amiss with your eyes. And as soon as I take off the double glazing, well, everything begins to go a bit of a blur and the Bible in front of me is useless now. And that is a condition, a medical condition. But it's, it's a medical condition I've had for decades, and it's not bothering me because, well, there's a simple fix to it. And if I should lose my glasses, well, life will become a little bit more difficult, but I could get, I could get by. But there are conditions, and they are fatal. And the blue lights take you into accident and emergency, and the paramedics begin to work, and the specialists come, and they begin to work. Because this is not like short-sightedness or long-sightedness. This is fatal. This will take your life. And sin is a kind of a, a short-sightedness in a sense. Sin leaves us blind to the glories of God. That's part of it. That's sin. Sin is serious. But sin is fatal. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And I want you to get into your heart and mind this very evening, whether you're a child, I had to learn it as a child, I came to Christ as a little boy of eight, or whether you're older than that, my problem, my sin is serious. Yes, it cuts me off from God. I cannot see the glories of God. It makes me short-sighted in that sense. But it's far, far more serious than that. My sin brings death, but that's not just the kind of death that we think about. That's serious enough. 
Illness will bring you to the grave, but sin will take you to hell. Now, did you get that? The Bible teaches us that sin will take you to hell. Sin will cut us off from God forever. So that's why we need to be saved. Whenever, and I'm coming around to the anniversary again very, very soon, whenever as a, a boy of 16, I was rushed into the emergency surgery, it was my life was on the line. It was do or die. That's serious. But your sin is even more serious than that. It's to be saved or to be damned, to be cut off from God forever. And that's why we preach the gospel. That's why Paul, as he came to the city, he came with a burden in his heart. He says, I want to be clear. And you know, there's a, a real danger with this in, in the normal illnesses that people have. You've all kinds of stories that you'll hear. And people say, ah, don't take those tablets that the, the, the doctors give you. There's a far better way. And there's all these crackpot ideas. And in the realm of salvation, it's just the same. You need to be absolutely clear as to the way that you can be saved and rightful with God. The one thing is this, you need to have your sins forgiven. The Bible tells us that you need to be born again. The Bible tells us that we must be justified before God. That is cleared of every charge. That's a big thing now. This is not tampering with a few things and, and trying to make yourself a little bit better. No. You need something to happen in your life that you can't do yourself. That's why the Bible tells us about the Lord Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is presented to us here, first of all, as a proclamation of facts. This, this is the amazing thing about the gospel. As Paul preaches the gospel, he says, I want you to know what the gospel was that I preached. I want you to know how you were saved. You were rescued from your sin and from the consequences of sin and how you're sure of heaven. Now, please, I want you to pause for a moment. The people that Paul is writing to, I mean, if you saw them sitting singing hymns and praising God, you would say to yourself, that's if you had known these people. What has happened? What a change. Paul came into a city, a city of Corinth, a, a city full of wickedness, of sexual immorality, of all kinds of, of perversions of idolatry, of, of idols' temples scattered here and there, of, of people that you couldn't believe a word they said. They were liars, cheats. These people were saved. These people were forgiven. These people were sitting around. If you'd been here this morning just like that, gathered around bread and wine, and they were worshiping the Lord Jesus and remembering him and thanking him for salvation. You see, salvation works in this life, as well as the life to come. And I would say to you, my dear friend, whatever it is you're hoping is going to save you from hell and take you to heaven, I ask you this, has it made any difference in your life down here? For real salvation will. It will utterly change your life. 
And Paul came to this city with this message and, and he, he tells them again so that he would lay upon record that we would have it today, that we would know what is the gospel. And as I would open the door and speak to people and they would bring me a message that I could test what they say against the truth. What is it? This is the gospel. He says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now, this is an amazing thing that we need to come to consider because the gospel is not Paul's. Although he says in another place, it's my gospel. That's only in the sense that it, it became such a part of him. That whenever you met Paul, who, whose name was Saul of Tarsus, who hated the name of Jesus and hated Christians, now he was changed. And by the power of God sent out into the world with this message, when you met him, you would not be in his presence very long until you would hear the gospel. It was part of him. But he says, it's really not my message. He says, I received it. I know very well our, our postman, he's... He's a long-time acquaintance of our family. He used to be in the sorting office, but he told me lately he just got so tired of being in there, he asked to get back out on the road again. And so he comes and goes to our house, but he, he always just delivers the meal unopened. If I were to find him someday, stopped halfway to our front door and opening the meal, I might be a little surprised and see him take out a pen and score things out and then take things for himself and then put other things in. And you would know immediately that it was out of line. That's not his job. doesn't matter what he thinks about what comes to me. You see, sometimes he might recognize a bill and say to himself, well, I don't think I really want Leslie to get that bill. And maybe he could destroy it thinking he was doing a good thing. Would he be doing a good thing? Because very soon that thing could escalate. I could have the electricity cut off. I could end up in court and not know a thing about it. And whenever it all came out, discover that every time a warning letter had come, the postman had hidden that from me. He is not your friend that hides from you that your sin will take you to hell. Paul was given that message. A very weighty message. He says, I, I brought it as I was given it, and I delivered it. The message of the gospel is not ours to change. And we must give it all. And as he, he preached, he said, I want you to understand this. That the message is the message of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ. And around these two things, the message of the gospel hangs. The two things I'm going to preach to you that Paul preached are two facts that are undeniable. You can do your homework on this if you wish. There, there's ample evidence within the Bible and within the testimony of those that met and saw the Lord Jesus outside of the Bible records and those that knew them well. But even outside all of that, there are four undeniable historic sources external to the Bible that corroborate all that we're about to preach tonight. Two great gospel facts. Number one, that Christ died for our sins. And number two, he rose again the third day. Now, whatever way you 
live your life from this moment on. You cannot ignore these historic facts. It stands on record that Christ died for our sins and number two, that the third day he rose again. We're not bringing to you theories. We are bringing to you this evening the answer that God has sent into this world. The Bible says the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Bible says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And all of that purpose finds its ultimate answer in this great fact that Christ died for our sins. And this second great fact, that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And we stop for a moment. Many of us cannot remember ever learning this. I, I don't remember ever learning this. As long as I've known my parents, as long as I've known my name, I've known that Christ died for my sins. What a privilege I had being raised with such knowledge. But sometimes we need to stop and consider, oh, the wonder of what these words mean. The great creator, the eternal God, who stooped into time and came into our planet, born of a virgin, he actually died upon a cross. During his life, as he began to preach, people came to him with all manner of diseases. People that were blind were made to see. People that were deaf were made to hear. People that were in fever, the fever was cast from them. People that were racked by the power of hell and demons cast from them. Here is one from whom all power came forth. There was never one they brought to Christ that was too hard. And sometimes they brought many, dozens and dozens of cases. And the Bible says he healed every one of them. And yet this one, from whom came love and compassion and power and grace, if we were to come reverently and close to that cross, we would see that Christ was dead. He died. Why? One of the things that we learn as we look upon that cross and see Christ having died upon that cross is this, that there is nothing I can do to save myself. If he must come solo, if he must die in shame and in agony upon a cross like this to save me from hell, there is no hope that I could ever save myself. This is far too great a thing for me. And to save my soul, God sent his Son. He came from heaven. He died upon a cross that I might be rescued. Oh, the, the cost of salvation is this great, that Christ died. And the second thing I would learn is this. My sin is far more serious than I ever considered it was because he died for my sin. This is the only answer for my sin. And this is what sin deserves. Yes, truly, hell is perfectly understandable when I look to the cross. Oh, I might, I might have a hundred and one excuses for the things that I do, really at the bottom of it all. In the eyes of God, my sin deserves 
the judgment of God forever in hell. How do I know that? Because Christ died for my sin. He was willing to pay the price. He was not shielded from any of the judgment or the wrath or the pain. He was not spared in any way. Christ died for our sins. And the second great fact is this. He rose again the third day. And this one that we preach to you and Paul preached to these people, he's a living, risen Savior. You see, no dead religion can ever save you. Can't help you. Because it, it can only tell you about effort that you must make and standards that you must keep and things that you must do. And those things will never in the end bring you either satisfaction in this life or salvation in the life which is to come. It is utterly impossible. What you need is a living, loving Savior. And that we preach to you in the gospel this evening. He is alive. He has conquered death. It was not that he diverted around death. No. Sometimes you see something and if you've got time and, and you're back a little bit on the motorway, you can divert and you look and you see all those cars that have, haven't had the opportunity, didn't see far enough down the road and they're just ground to a halt and they've got to go through the incident eventually and they maybe lose all that time and, and you're away merrily down the other way. You've diverted. Christ did not divert past death. Oh no. Christ for us went through death. But death for every one of us is a dead end, but not for Christ. Christ rose again. He broke death's power. And death died when Christ rose again. There is a man in heaven, a real living Savior, who still wears the marks of Calvary upon his hands and side. And he's offering to save you and to change your life completely. You know, the wonder, not only of the fact, as we look back in human history, that Christ died and he rose again, those, those I say, are facts that are undeniable. They're, they're, they're written outside even the, the Bible records and with every evidence within the Bible that we need, but I'm just saying this for those that have inquiring minds. But these things are backed up. Paul says, I want you to understand that these two central facts of the gospel... They are backed up. They, 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 are, they are supported on either side. Before the event, the Bible spoke about them. After the event, there were evidences that people had that they were true. Look at what it says. First of all, about the, the death of the Lord Jesus. Christ died for our sins. It was according to the Scriptures. You see, the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, was written before Christ was born. Many hundreds of years before he came. And all of those writings were, were looking forward. They were talking about his death. 1,500 years before he ever lived, the Bible had already recorded the day that he would die, the 14th day of the first month, of the fact that his, his body, though it would be beaten and pierced, not a bone would be broken. His blood would be shed. The Bible had said a thousand years before the event that his hands and his feet would be pierced to what would take place to his garments and many details like that. 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, there was a prophet who sat down as if he sat under the shadow of the cross and he wrote everything that took place 
and he wrote these memorable words, but he was wounded. For our transgressions he was bruised. For our iniquities. It was all according to the Scriptures. And then, on the other side, the evidence was seen he was buried. Why was he buried? Evidence that he was dead. And there were many that knew. As they watched Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus take down that lifeless body and where they was buried, they knew that he had truly died. What about his resurrection? Well, it was also according to the Scriptures. And again, here and there throughout the Old Testament, there were those evidences that pointed forward to one who would rise from the dead. And even clear statements of fact, like in Psalm number 16, that the one who would die would be shown the paths of life. I'll not go into all those details. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ was witnessed before the event by the Scriptures. It was also witness after the effect. Listen to what it says. He was seen. He was seen. And then he goes on to list all the times that the Lord Jesus was seen. Here is a message. It is the only answer for your sin. It is first and foremostly a proclamation of fact. Facts that are undeniable. What tremendous facts these are. That Christ died for our sins. According to the Scriptures and that he was buried. He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and he was seen. Now you know how you can be in heaven. Now you know how your sins can be forgiven. But I, I, I close with this, and I want you to get this. I, I just want to say it in one or two sentences, but I really want you to get this. A proclamation of facts will never take you to heaven. The message of the gospel is also an invitation to faith. You see, let me put it this way. I was brought up going to Sunday schools and children's meetings. I, I loved that challenge of going. And <laughs> I, I came up in a time whenever in our area, they, the prize givings had at least three preachers at them. They were amazing times. You came home with your pockets stuffed with prizes. And I loved the questions. My little hand would go up. I loved answering. You could get all the right answers because you know all the facts. You know it was the middle cross. You know all the details about the cross. The facts will never take you to heaven. There are many in hell and they know the facts of the gospel, but they've never put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's a very different thing. Ten years ago, I had to go for another surgery. I was old enough this time. I sat across the desk and the surgeon, he told me all the dangers, very intricate surgery, one that he had every expectation could go dreadfully wrong, and he explained it all to me. And then he said, there's the line, you need to sign the line. And what's, what's that for? He said, that's, that's just to say that you're giving me permission to do it. I, I hesitated for a moment, I've got to say. My life in his hands, I would know nothing about it. A very delicate surgery, taking over six and a half hours. My heart laid exposed and in his hands. And then I took the pen and I signed my name because my faith was in him. 
Now, the evidence that I'm here tonight is because my faith wasn't a good surgeon. It was. Can I recommend to you someone that can save you, the only one that can save you, and he will never let you down. And he's never lost a case. But you have got to put your faith in him. You've got to trust him as your savior. You've got to repent of your sin, turn from your sin, acknowledge your sin to God, and receive the message of the gospel by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Will you do it? Let's pray. Our Father, we come now to thee in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. We thank thee for the truth of thy word. We bless thee for the clarity of the message of the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen. We remember that Paul brought this message, and many received it, and they were saved. And Father, we know that their lives were radically changed by the power of God. They're now in heaven. We pray for those that are with us this evening, that they likewise would acknowledge the truth of the facts of the gospel, but oh, that they would put their faith in thy Son, the Lord Jesus, realizing how serious sin is and how long eternity is and how dreadful it would be to, to die with their sins unforgiven. So, Father, we come and ask for thy blessing upon us as we part. In the wonderful name of thy Son, our Lord Jesus. Amen.